You're listening to a sermon from Darabin Presbyterian Church. Visit us online for more resources or to get in touch. Today's reading is Exodus 35, starting in verse 1. Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, These are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a day of Sabbath rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it is to be put to death. Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver and bronze, blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen, goat hair, goat hair, Ram skins dyed red and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle with its tent and its covering, clasp, frames, crossbars, posts and bases, the ark with its poles and the atonement cover and the curtain that shields it, the table with its poles and all its articles and the bread of the presence, the lampstand that is for light with its accessories, lamps and oil for the light, the altar of incense with its poles, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, the curtain for the doorway, the entrance to the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its bronze grating, its poles and all its utensils, the bronze basin with its stand, the curtains of the courtyard with its posts and bases, and the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the tent pegs for the tabernacle and for the courtyard and their ropes, the woven garments worn for ministering in the sanctuary, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons when they serve as priests. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them, came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewellery of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone who had blue, purple or scarlet yarn or fine linen or goat hair, Ram skins dyed red or the other durable leather brought them. Those presenting an offering of silver or bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord, and everyone who had acacia wood for any part of the work brought it. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun, blue, purple or scarlet yarn or fine linen. And all the women who were willing and had the skills spun the goat hair. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. 
and he has given him both him and Ahaliab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. Hi DPC, uh, felt pretty sad to be back in lockdown again, I'm sure many of you do too, uh, but it's good, isn't it? It's good to be able to gather around God's word. Uh, so let's pray. Our gracious Father, we ask that you would speak to us now through your word, uh, that we might know you, uh, that we might have our eyes open to your great plans and purposes for us uh, as your people, uh, indeed for the building up of your people and the glory of our Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, I wonder what the great building project of your life is. Uh, maybe you're someone who, who's really excited about building your dream home, or, or a successful career, or, or a glorious reputation in some particular field. Some of you might be particularly excited about building a beautiful marriage or family life, a lasting legacy. Or maybe some of you want to have a noteworthy ministry where people flock to you because of your preaching or mission knowledge, your evangelistic zeal. But what's the great building project of your life? Of course, on the surface, there's nothing inherently wrong with any of those building projects I just listed. It's just that so often the heart that underlies those projects is filled with a deep desire to build something that wants to make a name for ourselves. But it's a desire that's deep within all of our hearts as human beings. Right? We see it in the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11, where the people say to one another in verse 4, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves. This is the selfish, me-centred ambition, what the Bible calls sin, that is right at the heart of all of us as human beings. A deep desire to build something in our lives that will prove that we are a somebody, not a nobody. That we have made a name for ourselves. That building project, a project, or whatever it is for you, it becomes the great purpose that drives your life, the thing that, that drives you forward every step of the way. But what I want to suggest today, right from Exodus 35 to 40, is that real purpose and joy and satisfaction and delight is found not in giving our lives to all these other building projects that we might have, right, to, to make a name for ourselves, uh, but in giving our lives to the ultimate building project, right, which is building God's people amongst whom he dwells. Uh, before we look at the details of Exodus 35 to 40, I, I want to mention three things, three points, uh, to help kind of orient us in God's story. Uh, first, if you look back in the book of Exodus, uh, you might notice that God deals with Israel's sins right, through Moses, his mediator, uh, and then he moves on without missing a beat. 
if you've got the Bible, if you've got your Bible open, well, why don't you flick back to Exodus 31? If you look at Exodus 31, you, you'll see that there's some very similar content to Exodus 35. Instructions about the Sabbath, about constructing the tabernacle, and the gifts that God has given to Bezalel and Aholiah. Right, but all that stuff it was kind of put on hold with Israel's sin in Exodus 32. Remember their worship of the golden calf. In Exodus 33 and 34, God deals with Israel's sin through the ministry of Moses, his mediator. So here in Exodus 35, it's like God just kind of picks up right where he left off in Exodus 31. What's the point? The point is that God has dealt with his people's sin. And now he's ready to move on. But he doesn't miss a beat. Likewise, when, likewise, when we sin, right, well, we can be sure that, that God deals with our sin through the death of Jesus, his ultimate mediator, and, and then he's ready to move on. Well, you, you might not find it easy to forgive yourself, but God, through Jesus, has forgiven you. You might not find it easy to forget your sins, but rest assured that God has forgotten your sins. You mightn't find it easy to move on from some particular sins. You know, you want to beat yourself up a bit more. But rest assured that if you confess your sins and humbly trust in the death of Jesus on the cross, God forgives and forgets and really moves on from your sins without missing a beat. That's looking back in Exodus. Second, if you look down at the passage we're looking at today, you'll notice that the God uh, dwelling with his people is so important that we've got to hear about it twice. Well, you might remember that in Exodus 25 to 27, where we heard all God's instructions for how to construct the tabernacle and all its furnishings. But God repeats all of that here. God doesn't just repeat things for the sake of it. Right? He does it here to reiterate just how important it is to him to dwell amongst his people. A third, we've looked back, we've looked down, uh, if we look forward to the rest of the story of the Bible, tracing that wonderful truth that God wants to dwell amongst his people, uh, we see that God calls us to, to build uh, not a tabernacle, but his people. Right, but because we as his people are his temple or tabernacle. You see, God wanted to dwell amongst the Israelites in his tabernacle, his special tent or dwelling place. You can read about it more in Exodus 25. So in today's passage, he calls his people to give themselves to building his tabernacle. But we as God's people aren't called to give ourselves to, to building any particular church building or chapel or something like that, though, though church buildings are very useful. But what we're called to give ourselves are to building, uh, to the ultimate building project of building up God's people, right? God's people who in the New Testament are called his tabernacle or temple, right? the people amongst whom God dwells. So in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, for example, Paul says to the church in Corinth, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Well, we see the similar thing in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. 
I said, likewise, we as a church are God's temple, his tabernacle, the people amongst whom God dwells. So just as the Israelites were called to, to build up God's tabernacle in their day, we're called to build up God's people in our day. And what we see in Exodus 35 to 40, today's passage, is that certain things are needed if this great project of building up God's people is going to happen, it is going to be finished. First, in chapter 35, Exodus 35, verses 1 to 3, we see the need for regular rest from the building project. It seems like a pretty strange place to start, right? The Israelites haven't even gotten started with building the tabernacle, and God's already talking about taking a break. Why is that? Oh, well, God knows that he's calling his people to work really hard in building the tabernacle, just to really make big sacrifices in building the tabernacle. Oh, but God wants them to understand that, that as they get busy doing that work, uh, they can't say to him, you know, look, God, I oh, can't you see that I'm busy doing, doing your work? But I'm way too busy to take a break. I can't observe the Sabbath. But here God says, they do have to observe the Sabbath. In Exodus 20, verse 11, where we see that they have to observe the Sabbath because the reality is they're not as physically strong as they think they are. But God is the creator and they're just weak and humble creatures. So they've got to rest from their work on the seventh day, just as God did in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. And then in Deuteronomy 5, verse 15, when Moses repeats this command of the Sabbath, uh, that, that tells us that they've got to observe the Sabbath uh, because they're not as spiritually strong as they think they are. Or that they can easily drift in their faith, they can grow hard in their hearts, so that they can forget what God has done for them. Uh, so they've got to take time every Sabbath uh, to remember how God freed them from their slavery in Egypt. You see, we're called to work hard in building up God's people. We're called to, to make big and real sacrifices for the sake of building God's people. But like the Israelites, we've got to take regular times of rest. Rest for physical renewal. Because God is our glorious creator who never gets tired, but we're just weak and humble creatures who regularly get tired. And we've got to take this time for spiritual renewal because the reality is we so easily forget how God has graciously and powerfully freed us from our sins through faith in Christ. Right? But before we even get started with this ultimate building project of building up God's people, we must recognise our need for regular times of rest. The second need that we see in Exodus 35 verse 4 to 36 verse 7 is the need for willing contributions to the building project. First, you'll see in Exodus 35 verses 4 to 9 and verses 20 to 29 the need for women and men to willingly contribute their materials to the building project. If you look at Exodus 35 verse 4, you'll see that Moses brings this need to the whole Israelite community, right? Everyone is called to give. You see the same down in verse 20, right? The whole community withdraws to kind of prayerfully consider what materials they can contribute to the tabernacle, right? Everyone is called to give. 
Uh, but no one is forced to give. Right? That's the other theme in this chapter. They're all called to give willingly. But if you look at chapter 35, verse 5, Moses uh, talks about everyone who is willing to bring an offering. And in verse 21, where we read uh, that everyone uh, who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord. Uh, so down in verse 29, where we see that all the Israelite men and women uh, were uh, willingly, uh, sorry, who were willing, brought the Lord free will offerings. For all the work that the Lord, through Moses, had commanded them to do. The Israelites knew that they were going to benefit greatly from the tabernacle. I mean, what greater blessing could you have than having God himself dwelling in your midst? Might move by that wonderful reality that the Israelites willingly contributed their material goods to build the tabernacle. And likewise, all of us are benefiting in one way or another from the building up of God's people here at DPC. And surely we want lots of other people to benefit too. But when it comes, to our, when it comes down to it, right, if that's going to keep happening, uh, we've all got to be willing to contribute from our material goods, right? especially our money. You might say, oh, don't talk to me about money. You know, I'm someone who's more on about offering my whole life to God. I say yes and amen. But of course, offering your life to God does include offering your money to God. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says that how we use our money is a pretty good diagnostic test for how we're going spiritually. Who is it that is the real master of our lives. Right? Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You see, Jesus knows that our money really does have the power to control us and master us and enslave us. So he calls us to use our money in such a way that it demonstrates that we're mastered by him and building up his kingdom. Why not mastered by money and building up our own little kingdoms? And one way we can demonstrate that reality is by willingly giving money to support the building up of God's people here at DPC. So if you're someone who's benefiting from DPC's ministry, why not start giving to support our ministry? If you're benefiting greatly from DPC's ministry, maybe you've got capacity to give more to our ministry. You can find their giving details on the welcome card. Rather, the Israelites contributed their material goods to the great work of building up God's tabernacle. But they didn't just contribute their materials, right? In verses 10 to 19, where we see that they willingly contributed their skills. Take a look at chapter 35, verse 10. Right? You'll see there in chapter 35, verse 10, that Moses says, All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything that the Lord has commanded. In building the tabernacle, everyone is called to do their bit, to contribute uh, with their unique skills and talents and gifts. 
And of course, it's the same with building up God's people today in the New Testament. Because as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 10, Christ, our risen and ascended King, has given every single one of us, right here, if you're a Christian, a special grace or gift. Indeed, graces or gifts, gifts that you are to use, not just in building up your own little building projects, but in building up the ultimate building project of God's people. So you must never think that you've somehow got nothing to contribute. Like the Lord Jesus Christ has specifically given you gifts. But what we also see in this passage, in verses 30 to 35, is that God appoints two men, right, Bezalel and Aholiab, uh, to mobilise his people to use their gifts. Right? These men uh, aren't just to, to use their spirit-given gifts to do all the building work themselves, right? they're to train and teach and empower all the Israelites to use their gifts to build the tabernacle. Likewise, in Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 13, Paul says that Christ gifts his people with certain leaders, right? Pastor teachers like me, for example. Not so that we can do all the work of the ministry ourselves, but so that we can equip each member of our church to do the ministry. So if you're having trouble finding your fit in serving in our church, or maybe you have found your fit, but you just don't feel well equipped to serve in the role that you have, then honestly, that's kind of on me and the other leaders in our church, right? It's our job, like Bezalel and Aholiab, to equip you so that you can use the gifts that the Lord has given you to build up his people here at DPC. And what's kind of incredible in this passage is that through his people willingly contributing their materials and their skills, God provides more than the Israelites need to do the work. Much more. I take a look at Exodus chapter 36 verse 3. You'll see in Exodus 36 verse 3 that even after the workers have all the materials that they need, the Israelites keep on bringing more offerings. Well, so much so that in verse 5, that the workers come to Moses and they say that the people are bringing too much. So if you look at verses 6 and 7, Exodus 36, verses 6 and 7, Moses actually has to order them to stop bringing offerings. Well, it's a pretty good problem to have, right? But the point is that the Lord has provided more than his people need to do the work that he's called them to do. And honestly, time and again, I've found this to be true as we've sought to build up God's people here at DPC. On the back of COVID and all these extra lockdowns, I'm not sure it's going to happen this year. I'm not putting pressure on people. I'm giving thanks that year after year where we've set our budgeted offerings as a church and every year you guys have generously given more than we've asked for. I praise God for your generosity. Through you, God has more than provided for our material needs through your generous giving. And likewise, time and again, we've cast a vision for a new ministry or program or, or event, and people with the relevant gifts have put their hand up to serve. So, of course, no doubt there will be more challenges in the future, right, as we seek to, to see the work of the gospel continue to grow in and through our church. 
I'm sure there'll be plenty of times where we feel like we lack the financial and people resources that we need. But rest assured that our God does not have any lack. Right, he is a good and generous God uh, with no shortage of resources. Remember, Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So let's pray that the Lord would provide all that we need, indeed more than we need, so that we can keep building up his people here at DPC. Right, that's the need for willing contributions to the building project. Third, from chapter 36, verse 8, to chapter 39, verse 43, a, a big chunk, uh, we see the need for both commitment and humility in the building project. But it's in this section uh, that we see the Israelites committing the time and energy to actually building the tabernacle. You know, Moses has received the plans, he's gathered the resources, uh, but now the people actually have to build it. Right? And the reality is, that's a really big commitment. Right? It takes a whole lot of time and energy. Likewise, if God's people are going to keep being built up here at DPC, it's not going to happen by magic. We've all got to commit a certain amount of time and energy. Whether the reality is new disciples, new ministries, new churches, new movements of the gospel, they don't just pop up out of nowhere. Whether they come about like DPC has, because a group of people with God's strength have committed together to investing a whole lot of time and energy. I praise God for, for those who've invested that time and energy over the years here at DPC. So we've got to make this commitment, but we've got to make this commitment with humility. Right? Humility to build what God has commanded in accordance with his will. If you read through this section, it's very clear that the Israelites make everything in accordance with the plans that God gave to Moses. Right? So at the end of the section in chapter 39, verses 42 and 43, we read that the Israelites had done all the work that the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 43, Moses inspected the work, but he went over it in accordance with the plans, and he saw that they had done just as the Lord had commanded. I wonder if this was difficult for a group of kind of very skilled and creative workers like these Israelites. But as they worked away, I wonder if any of them thought, well, you know, I reckon I could come up with a better plan for God's tabernacle than he did. Right, maybe they did, maybe, maybe they didn't. Right? But ultimately, what we do know is that they humbly submitted to God's plan by right? building everything in accordance with his command. Likewise, sometimes uh, as we get busy building God's people, uh, we might think, we might be tempted to think uh, that we know better than God how to do that. Like God says his people are going to be built up as we preach the gospel. But, but we say, but, but God, you know, the gospel message, it's, well, it's really just quite offensive in our culture. Well, surely we can just kind of tweak it a bit to reach some more people. God says uh, his people will be built up as uh, many people answer Jesus' call to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. But, but we might think, well, gee, that's a, that's a little bit intense these days. Right? Surely we can just come up with a more accessible evangelistic strategy right, than Jesus. 
God says again, his people will be built up as we worship him in particular ways. But, but we might think, oh, goodness me, you know, prayer and reading chunks of the Bible and especially preaching. Right? They're just so outdated. Oh, we've got to try something new. It's not that there's something wrong with trying something new. Right? But, but we do have to have the humility to build God's people up in accordance with his plans for his people, his plans that are revealed in the Bible. Now finally, in chapter 40, verses 1 to 3, where we see the need uh, to persevere until the building project is finished. Uh, in verses 1 to 33, you'll see that Moses sets up the tabernacle and all its furnishings. And then at the end of verse 33, it simply says, and so Moses finished the work. Right? Moses and the Israelites persevered in building the tabernacle until the work was finished. Uh, likewise, we're called to persevere in this great work of building up God's people until the work is finished. When will it be finished? Well, only when the Lord Jesus calls us home in, calls us home in death or when he returns in glory. But until then, where we're called to persevere in seeking to build up God's people in number, either that many, many more people might come to know Christ. And we're called to seek to build up God's people in maturity, that all those who have come to know Christ would be made more like Christ. This is the great work that we're called to persevere in until the very end. But I'm sure even as I say that, some of you are thinking, yes, I agree, Aaron, but it's just so hard. It's exhausting. It's really, really hard, isn't it, to persevere in this work where we get tired, we get disillusioned, and sometimes we just want to throw in the towel. I certainly do. It's just really difficult work. So what's going to motivate us to keep persevering in this work until Christ returns? There's lots of potential answers to that, but I think in the end, it's knowing deeply and profoundly that our Lord Jesus persevered to the end in your place to finish the most important work. Maybe you want to flick to the New Testament, John's Gospel. We saw last week in John chapter 1, verse 14, uh, that Jesus is described as being God's ultimate tabernacle. Right? John says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Well, literally tabernacled among us. Right? Jesus is God's ultimate tabernacle uh, because in Jesus, God and his glorious presence comes down to dwell amongst humanity. But of course, once the Israelites reach the promised land, we heard about that last week, uh, they build a, a much more permanent dwelling place for God. It's the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, so in John chapter 2, John 2 verses 19 to 21, uh, Jesus says to, to a bunch of Jewish leaders based in the temple, destroy this temple and I'm going to raise it again in three days. And the leaders say, it's taken 46 years to build this temple. Are you going to raise it in three days? But John comments that the temple he had spoken of was his body. You see, Jesus is saying that as the ultimate temple or tabernacle, uh, that one day he's going to be destroyed. Right on the cross. 
His body, as it were, is going to be ripped apart brick by brick. Right? Why? Oh, well, it's for our sins. Right? Our sins that I started with, that selfish desire that all of us have to give our lives to building something that makes our name great, rather than building something that makes God's name great. So Jesus says, I'm going to be ripped apart. I'm going to be destroyed on the cross for your sins. But then he predicts that on the third day, he's going to be raised from the dead. His body is going to be put back together, right? rebuilt to form a new temple. So Jesus is the person through whom we can enter into God's very presence. This is the work that Jesus came to do. So Uh, So we see in John chapter 19, verse 31, that Jesus persevered in that work to the very end. Jesus persevered in that work to the end. If you open John 19, verse 31, you'll see that Jesus cries out from the cross, it is finished. Like Moses finished the work of the tabernacle. Jesus finished the most important work, the work of salvation. So that when we come to Jesus in faith, humbly trusting in his death on the cross, we can know that there is nothing left for us to do. But the work of salvation is done. It's finished. You see, if we know deeply and profoundly that the Christ has persevered to the end, finishing the work of salvation for our sake, then we'll be able to persevere in our work right to the end in the great work of building up God's people. And we'll be able able to do that knowing that we'll never miss out. Because real purpose and joy and satisfaction and pleasure and delight is found in giving ourselves to this ultimate building project of building up God's people amongst whom he dwells. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, We pray that you would enable us uh, by the power of your spirit to fix our eyes on our Lord Jesus, uh, who persevered to the end uh, to finish the great work of salvation, Uh, that in so doing our hearts would be moved to persevere to the end uh, in this great work of building up your people. Uh, We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.